Welcome back to Tangential Banter. It's been quite a while. We've been on hiatus doing various and sundry things during uh, the COVID season. But we're back with you uh, December 12th, 2020. Yeah, we're here to make a new episode, bring you Christmas cheer. I think we're mostly back because um, we were like. I always, like, when I jokingly would say, you know, I wonder what our fan thinks of this. I thought it was because nobody was listening. But we got told by numerous people. I think, was it two separate people who said that we're their most listened to podcast? Yes. Yeah. So we've made it, we've attained immortality in making it to the top of the charts for at least two people. Yeah. And that's impressive to me. I was not expecting that. And I know one of them said he, he listened to a lot of podcasts. So yeah, I feel pretty special. Yeah, I was kind of, yeah, it's flattering for sure. And those are the only, those are only the people who are telling us, you know, I'm sure there's other people out there just statistically speaking who are listening a lot, but they just don't bother to actively tell us. So, yeah, that's, that's true. So here we are, we're back. We've uh, missed, missed the opportunity to make these episodes. So we're, we're glad to be back and, in the driver's seat again. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to kick things off today with an interesting and timely topic of uh, what are some bad holiday traditions or holiday traditions that you just don't like? Yeah. Maybe ones that you just think are weird. So I'll kick it off, hand it over to you, Jack. Anything that jumps to mind? Yeah. So I was looking because like when you first posed the question, I thought to myself, you know, what are holiday traditions that... I don't like and nothing was really coming to mind so i looked up a list of like holiday traditions and the one that really stuck out to me was sending like holiday cards you know like merry christmas got a picture of the family and whatnot on them oh yeah I, yeah like whenever i get them i look at it and i'm like <clears throat> what am i supposed to do with this am i supposed to hang it on my refrigerator i'm not going to do that i'm not going to go out and buy magnets so i can look at pictures of another family that's just weird. <laughs> uh, so whenever I get one, I'm, just, I'm like, thanks. And I like throw it away because what, what's the intent? Is it just to say we're thinking hmm. of you? Which doesn't seem to be the case because they just send it en masse to everybody for whom they have an address. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, it seems to be like a way to say, hey, uh, we like you enough to send you a card. And by the way, our family is doing well. So there's that. Huh. But if you're listening and you were thinking about sending Jack a Christmas card, save your money. Yeah. It's going in the trash. You know what? And it's not that if you, if you are thinking of me, then text me or something. Just say, hey, man, what's up? You know, like get the communication going. Don't be, don't be like, well, he obviously wants to know what I'm up to because I'm so important, (laughs) but I'm not going to inquire about his life. That's not important to me. So I'll send him this Christmas card. You don't take the Christmas card and like tell the Christmas card what you've been up to over the course of the year as if it was the person who sent it. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? I think so. Yeah. That yeah. okay, that might be the problem then. Yeah. So, I don't mind Christmas cards or holiday cards. I mean, I I definitely get your point. Uh, but for me, I think in general one of the things I dislike is holiday decorations. Oh. Uh, and this one's this one's pretty broad. So you see it at Christmas, you see it at Halloween, um, you see it for Easter or 
Valentine's Day. Um, and it just, I get it. Like we want that nostalgia. We want like some symbols that point us to the season and make us feel all cozy. Uh-huh. I, I get that element of it. But what frustrates me is then you're stuck. Like if you're someone who wants to participate, you're stuck with a set of decorations that can only really appropriately be used for like six weeks out of the year. Uh-huh. And then you end up with a set of decorations for all these major holidays. And so, you know, like we used to have boxes that were in our attic for, you know, 48 weeks out of the year and we would go bring them down and set them up, you know, and uh, it takes a lot of effort to manage your decorations and a day to set them up, a day to tear them down. And, you know, you got to box everything up and put it away. It's just the logistics, the storage, you just end up with a bunch of knickknacks that you've got to maintain just to decorate for a holiday. Yeah. So yeah. that's one that I've always found kind of, I don't know, uh, bothersome, I guess I'd say. I, I much more prefer like small, simple, like understated holiday decorations of like, hey, you obviously know what time of year it is. You recognize that, but it's not like this huge display of, you know, it's Halloween. Look at all these inflatables in my yard, that kind of thing. Do you dislike the gen- the decorations in general, or do you dislike your own obligation to partake? I don't necessarily feel obligated to partake, um, but I I think it I think part of it is they tend to be tacky, right? Like it's they're cheap plastic, whatever, right? And so um, I will I will admit we we had a family tradition of driving around usually on Christmas Eve in a, in a van or suburban, whatever we had at the time. And uh, our whole family would get in the car and we would drive and just look at Christmas lights and argue about which house we thought had the best display and stuff like that. So like exterior Christmas lights, I think can be well done and can be entertaining for like for other people to enjoy, you know? Um, But yeah, just by and large, I think holiday decorations are a lot of effort and a lot of, unnecessary upkeep but like those houses that really do like go above and beyond to make really good displays like is that something you dislike or do you appreciate those oh i appreciate it i just would never do it myself right so like if it's if it's their thing and they want to be the ones who are like hey you know these people have a great christmas display every year great like that can be their like hobby thing but uh i just don't see it as you know hey we're gonna keep the house decorated seasonally all throughout the year, right? With these special things. Yeah, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of money and it's a lot of storage space. I never do I would never do it myself. Well, I would never actively do it myself. Um, but I appreciate when other people do it. I like it when the stores are decorated or um, even things at work, just because it's part of the, it, it's part of like the, you know, it's the, the Christmas season or the Halloween season fourth of july yeah. season it, it helps me get immersed in it then if it's mm-hmm. just like if all that stuff weren't there i'd almost like forget that it's oh the day before halloween or something like that but i guess that also comes along with you know there's there's activities you can do related to the holiday as well um yeah those i think are going to be more um those are definitely more to me important in the things that i remember like for example uh my mom and I, because I always go up and visit her for Thanksgiving, and then what we've been doing for the last few years is we'll go out on Black Friday and get our Christmas tree. 
and what we like to do is to go to like a tree farm rather than just get one at Lowe's or like a pre-cut one at Lowe's sure. or hardware yeah. store. Um, and like, but all the tree farms are sort of like, I think the closest one is a half hour. I know this year we didn't go to that one. I think their prices were just like double the the tree farm that was like 50 minutes away. So we just took a little, you know, road trip and um, went up to the tree farm, got us a Christmas tree and then drove back. And the next day we, well, then we set it up at night and then we let it kind of all the branches fall down overnight. And then we I helped her decorate it the day after. And then I drove back to Iowa. You know, that's a tradition that I like. Yeah. And that, because, mm-hmm. you know, it gives me quality time with my mom. Uh, the Christmas tree is always really pretty when it's set up. So yep. that's a tradition that I like. And it's an activity. It's not like you're just a decoration where it's like, cool. And then you're just looking at it. But, yeah. hold on. But that can apply to the decorations too, right? If your tradition or like a family's tradition is setting up those decorations, you know, if they like it, if they think that the money and the extra storage space, storage space is worth it, then, you know, I'm not a part of, ex- beside the Christmas tree, I'm not a part of that crew, but I would appreciate it if, if um, somebody else did, you know, had treated that as a tradition, just the actual, like the setting up of them is itself a tradition. Sure. Yeah. We were kind of similar. Our Christmas tree, we always picked one out the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yep. And we'd spend the day, we'd start out getting the tree, put that up, and then you know, we'd get down decorations, decorate the house, you know, bake Christmas treats and stuff like that. And so that whole Saturday was like the kickoff to the Christmas season. Nice. Uh, in terms of decorations and food and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy that, but I think it's, um, I don't know. If I were going to do it, it would probably be more of just the group activities, not necessarily the decorating piece of it. Well, is that not in itself not a group activity? No, it can be. I just wouldn't want to have all the decorations in order to do that group activity. So you're saying, so if I host like a game night or something like the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we drink eggnog and have a game night or something, you know, like some other way to get everybody together, have, have a, a good time together, but not put up decorations. All right. You touched on a nerve of mine. And I'm going to mm, use that as, no, as an opportunity no, to uh, move on to another tradition, which is eggnog. Eggnog is gross. I don't understand why it's such a big thing. You're basically drinking raw, like, mm-hmm. pancake batter because it's, it's like sugar, cream or milk, and raw eggs. Like that yeah. does not like if somebody were just to say, "Hey, look at this pancake batter," say, "Oh yeah, I'll have like a little taste." Say, like, "You want a you want a glass of it?" Say, like, "No, I don't want a glass of this stuff. It's too rich. I'm gonna get sick. I'm gonna get salmonella. What if I throw some cinnamon in it? No, some alcohol. Well, well maybe. But okay, here's your glass. <laughs> like, it's like, well, no, that's it. To me, it's just so unappetizing. And I maybe it's because I've tried to train myself to eat healthy over like the last decade or so, like be active about it. Um, that when I hear the concept of drinking a glass of cream, sugar, and raw eggs, it just, it sets me off. And when I taste it and I know what I'm tasting, it's just, it shivers down my spine. And there was an activity, not an activity. There was a event that I yeah. went to one time 
and a guy there just had a carton of eggnog that he was drinking out of. And that just made me sick to my straight stomach. Straight from the carton? Yeah. It was straight from the it was carton? A carton he was of store-bought eggnog. Wow. Was no, he on this was, well, also this was back in 2009, I think. Okay. So I, I will say uh, I get the critique of eggnog. I, I'm not a huge fan of it. There's like maybe two weeks out of the year where I'm like, yeah, I could go for a glass of eggnog. Uh, it To me, it's like the pumpkin pie of beverages, uh, plus the fact that it's, there's raw eggs. But having said that, the eggs are pasteurized. So it's um, you're getting all of the grossness of the egg without the potential you're, for you're talking about in the store or store bot um eggnog okay yeah 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 i've never can, i don't know anyone who actually makes can you pasteurize eggs, eggs without cooking them like does, does doesn't that cook the egg inside the eggnog well, apparently you can i was just re- doing a little bit of reading online and it huh. sounds like you can. maybe they have to process, either pasteurize right? it yeah. after they mix everything together or they maybe the pasteurization temperature is below the temperature it takes to denature all the proteins something like that because i'm like if you were to know. just yeah. can you imagine that it's like instead of raw eggs you use like cooked eggs so you have like a glass of sugar sh- sugar oh, and milk oh, somebody says you're so pouring bad. scrambled eggs <laughs> um or if it turned into like oh, an oh, egg no. quiche Almost. <laughs> so basically, egg, egg, egg like with cooked eggs is you so, just have like a plate of scrambled eggs and you just pour a bunch of sugar and cream on it. Mm-hmm. That actually doesn't sound mm. as bad as normal eggnog to me. I'm not saying it sounds good, but it sounds not as gross. So it's primarily the uncooked no, egg. See, that, not that, even that. that I think it's off. the uncooked egg with cream together. Like my mind just says disease to that. But you know, a lot a lot of times eggs, like scrambled eggs, are made with milk in them, right? To make it fluffier and so it's. But you 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 cook it. It's just like an earlier stage in the process. I think maybe the. I think the grossness to me is the the the, uh, amount of, the amount of just straight up cream that you're drinking. Um, along with the fact that there's uncooked eggs in there. So it's like the, it, cause to me, I was telling yeah. you this before to me, eggnog, it, to me, it, it, it's almost like you're drinking butter. Like that's the sort of consistency or the unhealthiness that I mm, associate yeah. with it. Right or wrong. So yeah, like cinnamon butter. have cinnamon butter there? I've only been to Texas Roadhouse twice. Yeah. Dude, they have so they, oh, they give yeah. you free they were rolls, amazing. bread rolls and yeah, and the butter has cinnamon in it. Not not heavy cinnamon, but a light amount of cinnamon. So you spread that warm butter yeah. on the or the butter on the warm. When bread I went rolls, there, it's, it's immaculate. Uh, I think both times, but particularly the first one. I was like Texas Roadhouse. First thing I that was the first time I it was when I came to Iowa because they don't have them up in Minnesota, so I'd never heard of the place. Um, first thing I thought of, of course, okay. was the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. And Sam Elliott, awesome movie, by the way. Highly recommend it. Um, 
Shout out. And then when I went there and I saw like the menu and I saw the servings, I was like, oh my goodness. I have to avoid this place like the plague. Otherwise, I'm going to blow up like a balloon. Mm. It is. It is. That's why I don't go there. Because there's a price you pay. I understand. It's a it's a logical argument. So I think in general, this has raised the topic of holiday foods to me. And there are a handful that I've never been able to get behind. Um, I've come around on pumpkin pie. That one, you know, I'll have a slice on Thanksgiving. But Love pecan pie, pie is one I still can't. Uh, cra- cranberry sauce, yeah. not doing it for me. There's... I'm trying to think if there are others, but those two immediately. I love. Like, I, I personally yeah, love no pecan pie. Things. But you said so to kind of back up. You you in general don't like pie though, right? Oh, you do. No, do I do like, like pie. Yeah, no, so like fruit bl- pies, blueberry, apple. Um, yeah, or even like if you go to Village Inn okay. and get their uh, peanut butter cup pie. That's yeah, I agree. So the, the cho- Yeah, I, I agree. Had, like the but, the choc- yeah. the 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 peanut butter French silk sort of pie is my my all-time favorite um so you like both kinds of pies like the yep. fruit pies but then also like the chocolate and i guess maybe you can just call them non-fruit or maybe dairy centered pies um okay i agree and so but you don't like pecan yeah. pie why don't you like it because it's consistency to me except for the fact it doesn't have crust on top um but like the jelly filling that's that's sort of like a fruit pie Yeah, I think it's more. I don't really oh. like nuts in general. Um, so I like peanuts and cashews. That's about it. So pecans are not like on the pecans? list of nuts that I like. They got such and delicious or aromatic, distinctive no. flavor. Maybe you just don't like the flavor then. I don't oh, like butter pecan man. ice cream. I don't. No. Well, hey. But this is capitalism in action, right? That means that there's more butter pecan ice cream for me, and you don't have to eat any of it. And and yeah. so all the ba- we both win. Yeah, it's true. And then I yeah. can go get some other no other kinds uh, of ice cream. Uh, wronger, but you know, to your preference. <laughs> yep, <laughs> wronger, but to my preference. So yeah, those are. I feel like we're probably missing some of. Oh yeah, well yeah, fruit uh, cake. bad holiday. Fruit cake is one of them. That's always. I have never actually seen oh. it served, but I know it's a Christmas tradition because everybody harks, harps about it being a Christmas tradition. Have you ever had cake before? Yeah. No. Is that equivalent to a figgy pudding, it, or is that different? You know, from the, the Christmas Carol. Now bring us a figgy pudding. I don't know. Now fig, bring no, us I don't a know what figgy pudding, pudding is. You know what? I'm, hmm. Figgy pudding. I don't want to find out. I think out I've had fruit cake on i think two occasions and i think one of them was probably in the last couple years and it wasn't that bad but it was it wasn't like when you picture a fruit cake it's not it wasn't that it was technically a fruit cake because i think it was a cake with fruit constituents in there but like the fruit cake that is sort of like the the stereotypical fruit cake is like this kind of brown bran looking thing and it's got bits of almost like that hard jelly candy you know what i'm talking about in it and to me that mm-hmm. just sounds absolutely horrible and i have no intent of ever eating that but that's not what i ate it was something that was con- considerably better 
But maybe it's just the, hey, maybe it's just the stereotypical fruitcake is the problem. Maybe it's not a good representation of fruitcake. Mm. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are awful when purchased in the, uh, like, prepackaged consumer variety, but are actually yeah, uh, quite Yeah, it's not a Christmas thing, homemade. but sauerkraut. So I'm from, I don't know how much sauerkraut you've had yeah. in your life, but I'm from Minnesota. This will actually tie into another uh, holiday food that I'll get into because it's sort of related to uh, Minnesota region. But sauerkraut um, is, for those, I, I don't know if there's anybody listening who doesn't know what it is. It's like fermented cabbage that you put on hot dogs and stuff. You see it at like sporting events a lot. And mm-hmm. yeah. And Very I, like one time I was at my friend's cabin in central Minnesota and there was like, or his house, um, and there was like a family member nearby who made like homemade sauerkraut. That was the best sauerkraut I've ever had in my life. And I haven't had too much sauerkraut, so I'm not, I don't have a great repertoire of knowledge in the sauerkraut arena. But then because of that, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I want to get some sauerkraut for myself and start eating it on the reg. And when I bought some of the store, the store made or store-bought stuff, it was slimy and disgusting so bad and if that was the only Hmm. exposure i had to sauerkraut i would have never taken the homemade sauerkraut that was so much better it tastes like a completely different food the consistency was different the taste was different yeah i mean sure the ingredients were the same but you wouldn't have been able to tell just by eating them yeah that's how i feel with uh things like pineapple or beets growing up i only ever had the canned varieties and then as an adult, I've now had fresh pineapple and fresh beets, and it's like these are two totally oh, yeah. different things. Like they're, yeah. they don't even belong being called the same name. Um, and fresh pineapple has become my yeah, favorite. Yeah, pineapple is good. So I used to not like the texture, but it, it tastes so different than canned pineapple, right? It's like canned pineapple is like a just a sweet, syrupy, mm-hmm. watery nastiness. Fresh pineapple is so tangy, and it's like mm, I couldn't get really over the fibrous texture of it at first like i liked the flavor but I, the texture yeah. was like yeah. so disconcerting to me i couldn't eat it and then i it just eventually grew on me and now yeah now i love it and then yes now you grow pineapples exactly. on yourself? That's, that is exactly what i meant yeah like now there's the scene in harry yeah, potter where slug what's his name is it slughorn or is it slugworth I haven't wow. seen or um, read Harry Potter. I knew you weren't a perfect man, Ben, but I'm not very that's uh... uh as you may have seen from my recent surprise party, I've dedicated all my uh fiction energy to yeah. the one no, of the rings. Good. You got good taste there. i but you probably appreciate Harry Potter. Oh wait, we had this conversation. Probably we had this conversation. We grew up in a household it. where it was like not allowed, right? Uh, I don't remember if it was not allowed or not, but yeah, there was, it was looked at sideways because of the uh, use of magic, use, I think, which is interesting. Yeah, I think it's magic in Lord of the Rings. It's also in Lord of the Rings, but I think it's grandfathered in because it's <laughs> But Harry Potter is a literary you know? classic if it's not already. It, it will be, but not necessarily. After, so. So I was also going to say, before you get back to your Minnesota comment, one of the things that came to mind is the interesting slash weird televised holiday traditions. 
such as um, the dog show on Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I kind of enjoy a few minutes of like seeing the dogs and how well-trained they are, but as an event, it's just kind of odd to have televised on Thanksgiving. Um, all the Thanksgiving parades and the Christmas parades uh, with all the floats and I don't know. Um, the, the other one, watching the ball drop. I get that everybody wants to have like this synchronized moment where we usher in the new year. But think about this. It doesn't make any sense that the ball drops to the ground and then stops, right? Like mm -hmm. time doesn't stop at that moment. If anything, we should have a slider. So it should be sideways and the ball should be like progressing horizontally until it hits a marker and like then we all cheer and then the ball keeps going. The year. Because... Yeah. So what Times Square should do is set up a giant ring where the ball moves from January 1st yeah. all the way around That'd the circle cool. over the course of the year and then it comes back. And then we we cheer when it hits the year marker and and it would actually be representative yeah. of the earth's orbit around the sun right like that would and then maybe make you can sense have like a, a like a lunar calendar Instead on of, there or like other cool astro, astro not astrology astronomy facts this is yeah and i just to me seeing the a lighted ball slide down and then stop at the ground is the most anticlimactic way yeah it's literally falling down right yeah. Right. And it's ending. And really, you're celebrating the new year, but the visual is the opposite. It should really it's be like a sort of phoenix of rising year, from right? the ashes, so. particularly this year. So what I think I hear you yeah. saying, Ben, is you'd prefer that we set a bird on fire and wait for it to sprout a new phoenix that flies away. Well, you're the one that brought the phoenix into <laughs> it, but I'll let you put words in my okay. mouth and say that that's what I want. Yes. I'll accept that. And, and we could do it metaphorically by like launching Ooh. a SpaceX rocket from Times Square. Okay, hold I on. Mean, My lighting a bird on cool. fire is actually a bit, that's not going to work. What they should do is just have like a pile of fuel and they, they, they set it on fire. And then they have like a little chute inside that they then throw a bird out of. Yeah, uh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Like a. A catapult inside yeah the or like a tube that, that just kind of comes, go, comes up into and and through the fire so the bird is fine it just flies out so it looks from afar it looks like the bird is rising from the ashes what if instead of an actual bird it was just like a rubber chicken yeah that'd be even funnier as it's like squeaking, right it'd be very ironic you should as it's flying yeah. out of the flames It seems it'd be like a scene from yeah. Wallace and Gromit or something oh, like chicken that. Run. Chicken Run. Apparently, there's a sort of Mandela effect with Chicken Run, and I can't remember what it is. Hold on, uh, I'm going to look it up here. This is one of the benefits of doing this online because I, now I have my I'm at my computer. I can look stuff up. So Chicken Run, Mandela effect. <clears throat> Let's see. The movie that doesn't exist and the redditors who think it does. Uh, ta -ta -ta -ta. The movie, okay, uh, over the years, hundreds of people online have shared memories of cheesy 90s movie called Shazam. Wait, this is not Chicken Run. This is Shazam, which is an, an interesting topic. Um, uh, huh, maybe there wasn't something with Chicken Run. There was something, or maybe it was a Mandela hmm. effect, but there was something weird with the movie Chicken Run, and it had to do with the British audience, I think. Oh. 
Could you enlighten me and our listeners? Oh, sure. The so the Mandela, the Mandela effect, effect is where I think, well, let me see. I'm going to read it from Wikipedia. I want to make sure I don't get anything wrong. Uh, dang it. Nope. That's the Mandela effect movie. Uh, okay. Hold on. Mandela effect definition. Is it something where it like, turns you into a world no that's the mandela effect to the revenge the original mandela effect is quote oh. the mandela effect is an unusual phenomenon where a large group of people remember something differently than how it occurred and i think but the isn't included in that definition that i just found randomly is that they all remember it incorrectly the same way so like um, sure. Yeah. Okay. Mandela effect examples. Uh, good housekeeping there. That'll be a good source. Uh, what's one where people would remember? Um, so it's essentially like some kind of a group. Uh, here, here's one. Hey, uh, Ben, how you know the um, like Febreze air freshener? How do you spell Febreze? Yeah. Uh, F E B. -R yes, that's correct. E -E. So I think a lot of people, and myself included, before I saw this, would be B R E E Z E. So that's one where everybody. Uh, Oscar. How do you spell Oscar Meyer? Just the, the whole thing, or just the Meyer part? M-E-Y-E-R. So that's one, right? Because I, I agree uh, when I when I would see Oscar Mayer, I thought it was M-E-Y-E-R, but it's M-A. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, so these are just a few examples. Um, but it's, I mean, I think it's a much more broad oh, term yeah. than just spelling, could, right? This is like... Historical yeah, historical events. Uh, a lot of the ones that I'm looking at, I'm skipping through a lot of them because a lot of them are visual. Um, like there's apparently one with the Monopoly Man. Uh, people remember him as having a monocle when he doesn't. Uh, do, 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 do. Mm, yeah. Which that's hard because there are multiple. Um, you start to get into this, like in that example, the Monopoly Man. He kind of resembles the uh, like Planters Peanuts guy, right? Who I'm pretty sure does have a monocle. He kind of resembles the Pringle mascot. He kind of resembles Colonel Sanders. Like, there's a lot of these older white dude with a mustache mascot slash uh, logos that start to blend together, and you forget which one's which. They all kind of, you know, they become. Uh, ir uh, Here's one. Apparently, the Fruit of the Loom logo never had a cornucopia behind it and i could swear that it did you know what i'm talking about hmm. it feels like somebody yeah but it feels like somebody set up a website oh that could both hold on fruit of the loom uh cornucopia is it i guess it depends on what you mean by cornucopia is it yeah. just loose fruit or you Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think it. Had I thought it did. Like I remember thinking it. that whenever I think of Fruit of the Loom. 
I think of the cornucopia. So that's one, right? And I'm not the only person who thought of that. So that's an example of the Mandela effect where me and somebody else, apparently enough other people who somehow sp figured out that it doesn't have the cornucopia, um, got together or like we're talk with each other and say wait it doesn't have a cornucopia i thought it did and say yeah me too and then apparently a lot of people do so where did that come from and that's an example of the mandela effect mm -hmm. where everybody is or like a large group of people is remembering something incorrectly in the same way and i think it's named after so it is named after nelson mandela mm -hmm. i think it's because uh if i remember right every there was like this large like again like a large group of people thought he died like in the 80s when really he didn't like i think he died in the 2000s so um well, that's where it came yeah. from yeah so yeah that's mandela effect i can't remember how he got onto it um uh something to do with celebrating yeah chicken all run. the we chicken talking run. about new year's right. and we got into chicken run and we got into the mandela effect man that's tangential banter so right what there. was your what was that is that, why that is where the name comes play. from because that's what we do we banter tangentially and the, the best ones are the ones where you really can't even remember yeah i mean we went on to christmas it went on holiday traditions part. to chicken run to the mandela effect and now we're going to go back kind of circle back and talk about the next minnesota uh regional thing which is ludafisk have you ever heard have you ever heard of Ludafisk? Ooh, all right. Oh, I'm very familiar. Yeah, I've never had it. Yes, I am actually Always in the same try. boat. And in fact, I have yet to see it ever served. So why it is considered a tradition for Minnesotans, I don't under, I don't, I can't sympathize with that because I've never seen a Minnesota servant or a Minnesotan servant. And there's, there's a King of the Hill episode. Well, I that's got a pretty easy answer, doesn't it? I mean, because it's a it's a Scandinavian dish. I can't remember if it's yeah. Finnish or Swedish or Norwegian, but um, and I mean that's Minnesota's population is largely from that area. So even if it's not something they actually do, I think it's a heritage people identify with. Yeah, because of their. I know there's a uh, there's a King of the Hill episode where their new pastor. You know, they're in Texas, but their new pastor comes in, and she is from Minnesota, and she serves lutefisk. She it's a traditional Minnesotan dish. It may not be specific to Christmas, but I think there is a um, a trope where it is served at Christmas, even though it's not explicit or ex explicitly um, associated with Christmas. That's kind of like when I was in Iceland, They there are places where you can get like puffin or whale. And we were told many times by different people like that used to be what Icelandic people would eat, you know, 150, 200 years ago, but no one eats that anymore. So they were encouraging people not to eat it, um, but it's still kind of, there are certain groups that try to push it on tourists is like, Hey, this is a traditional Icelandic thing. And they're like, yeah, it's not really anymore. It's well, they, they encourage you out. not to eat it. Why do they encourage you to not eat it? I think just for uh, oh, animal I conservation see. purposes, like if they're not uh, harvested in a, like a, yeah. I wonder what whale would taste way. like. 
I wonder what kind I of whale it was. Do different whales taste differently? I wonder if they do. Yeah, or taste different. Probably. I would bet that whales taste. Ooh, man, that's what I love about the English language. Say, asking the question, do whale do different whales taste different? Is a different question than asking, do different whales taste differently? Yes. That's like. I think we talked about this on an episode before, but you know, when trying to use a word as an adverb, whether or not it's appropriate to add the ly at the end, like some of the stickers on doors that say "push hard." Oh. Well, no, versus I think it'd be oh, "push yeah. hardly." But if you say if you say yeah. "push hardly," it's the opposite, yeah, right? Yeah, push hardly. Interesting. Hard, hard, yeah, hard normally is. An adjective, not an adverb. And you're right. Yeah, push hard. Now, the, the the whole do whales taste different versus differently? For that, I think that's a slightly diff. Maybe not. No, I don't think it is a different situation. Because in that one, if they using different instead of differently, that means are the tastes of the whales like if you were to eat the whale meat, do the, does the whale meat change from whale to whale? Right. If you ask, do they taste differently? That is asking if when the whales are trying to taste something, do they do it in a different manner? Yeah, I think to to be a, to be clarifying in the first question, it would be does whale meat yes. from different yes. whales taste different, right? Versus it's not the whales that are tasting, it's the whale meat. That and you know what? That brings up another nuance that the verb taste can either mean the the subject at hand is doing the tasting or it is being tasted that that oh i just yeah my own mind man that's uh that's quite the observation it adds some frightening connotations yeah. to uh, how that word is used sometimes you're like wait yeah normally the context way, is pretty but... clear and no, i would say nine times out of ten uh it's you you are talking because nobody ever really uses like the oh like except for maybe hey let me taste that um in that case the taste is you know your uh well hold on let's think about this um it's when we'll it's a phrase non objective like... oh and i forget what the what the term the grammatical term is but it's when when it's used in a non-objective case when the taste does not have an object um that's when it can get con that's when the confusion comes in because if you're saying can i subject taste verb the ice cream object that's it, it's an object it's an objective verb but if you just say sure. i taste yeah. i'm making the statement i taste does that mean that i go about my daily life tasting things or does that mean that i have a taste to myself like if you were to eat me i would have a distinctive taste you know it could be either when it's non-objective, right, that's yeah, when yeah, the yeah. context comes very critical and can be either way. But when it's objective, it can only be taken as, you know, the subject is tasting something. The object. Anyway, you were about to say something gotcha. before I got on that banter. Well, I was going to I was just going to ask. You had mentioned earlier that you had another topic, and I'm curious. You know, with we've got about 15 minutes left. Ooh. Is that enough time to cover it? Do you think, um, or can we save that? You know, considering that we've been, uh, let, let's save it. Let's save it, because I think I think it'll get into some. I think it can okay. lead to some interesting, like, uh, yes, 
tangents. Kind of like the holiday traditions, right? I mean, I, like what, I mean, there's still more that we can talk about. Um, uh, okay, I got one for Thanksgiving. Turkey, right, is the pretty is pretty much the thing. Uh-huh. Do you prefer turkey to like say a pork roast or like a beef roast or maybe even something else? Um. I'm just because of the tradition. <laughs> yeah, no, I I like uh, turkey meat when it's well when it's cooked well. I think the challenge is, um, and I've kind of had this discussion with a couple of people since around Thanksgiving, um, in that some people are arguing number one that mashed potatoes are the most overrated uh, side dish basically oh. of all time, and also. But they were basically saying the amount that you like potatoes uh, is directly correlated to how little potato there is, like how little um, mashed potato there is in it. So example, they're talking about how fries, regular fries are better than steak fries because the internal volume of like unfried material is less. And so like the part of a potato that this, in this person's perspective, the part of a potato that we actually like is the part that is fried or that is coated in something else or that's, you know, touching the gravy or that has butter on it. It's not oh. just plain. Oh, that's a very potato. interesting point. It, yeah, it was very, very well thought out. But basically they said the only people who say that mashed potatoes are their favorite side are people yeah. who just like to do what they're told. <laughs> that's all. That, man, that escalated like, quickly wow. right there. He's going, he's, he's out for blood, that guy, man. Yeah. yeah. So he also made the statement that basically kind of the position that you're talking about is that uh, people only eat turkey on Thanksgiving because it's a tradition, not because it's a I don't a think I've that they ever like heard or anybody enjoy. such a thing against potatoes before. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, come on, man. <laughs> I felt attacked is what I'll say because I really like mashed potatoes. And I, honestly, I would eat them plain with no like nothing on them. I just oh. enjoy the flavor of mashed potatoes. But um, – the other thing, so this point about turkey, I think I can understand where it's coming from, but I think the challenge is turkey's become so uh, tied to Thanksgiving, but it's a food that people don't ever prepare themselves any other time of the year, right? If you get turkey at any other point in time, mm-hmm. you're getting lunch meat probably on a sandwich somewhere. And so people don't know how to cook turkey well, and it's such a big thing to prepare. You've got to have special cookware you've got to have take all this extra time to thaw it and and, you know brine it or whatever you're going to do so i think there's an element of thanksgiving turkey of people thinking oh this isn't something that's very good because it's typically not really cooked that well because the people doing it only get to do it once a year and they've never really learned how to do it they you know maybe they got a recipe Mm -hmm. from somebody or they just stumbled their way through so I think we're, by and large, most of us are experiencing that's pretty a good mediocre point. Thanksgiving turkey. And that's part of the reason nobody really... I think then, that like actually touches on why I was bothering to ask, because turkeys, to me, seem like they're just so much work uh, in the actual preparing and in the serving, right? Because you have to cut around all the bones. The, the, the turkey breast is just, you know, those are big chunks of meat that you can easily just uh, carve up. But like the, the thighs and the legs yeah. and the wings... Where there's still a lot of a lot of proportion of the meat is on those parts, it, it's difficult to to serve out to people. Uh, and then you combine that with the time it takes to prepare and the high risk of it being overcooked, particularly the white meat. 
it's just like it's such a big hassle. Whereas if you get like uh, some sort of a roast, like a pork roast or a beef roast, uh, I guess those would really be only two readily available meats. You could also get like a, a turkey breast. I've seen those in the stores. So you can use the turkey breast as a roast. Yeah. Um, any one of those would be a lot easier to do. Yeah, and I, so I think to that point, consider what you just said in that almost always the yeah. turkey is prepared as a whole bird. We don't prepare any other meat that way ever over the course of the year, right? We're not partially because of size, but you're not cooking a whole flank of a cow, right, or of a steer. You're not, you know, even yeah, chickens, we don't point. normally cook the whole thing. So turkey, turkey is like this exception where it's cooked as a whole. Yeah. Primarily, like this year was the first year I'd ever made one and um, actually used, like you can get pieces. So we got like a turkey torso oh, okay. and then turkey legs separately. Um, and I would say, honestly, I was a little bit intimidated just because I'd heard so many people talk about how hard turkeys are to cook. And I found a recipe online for how to smoke a turkey oh. on a propane grill. And all I did was uh, brine it for 12 hours beforehand, wrap it in foil and then cook it and monitor the uh, the meat temperature while I kept the wood chips the smoking inside the grill. Propane grill. It really was that hard. It was, but you can put mm. uh, wood chips in little trays around the, around the meat, and um, the grill, the temperature will actually cause the chips to smoke. I see. So it Did it turn out smoker. well? Yeah. And it, yeah, it turned out really well. And I would say it was... You know, it's a little bit more prepped than a roast, but not a crazy amount. And uh, I felt like it turned out well enough that I would say, yeah, I'd definitely make this again. But you needed a grill big enough for it. I don't know how big the pieces were. Um, it was, yeah, it was just, it all fit inside of one of those oh, okay. aluminum yeah, yeah, I do. trays. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, yeah. the four deep, like casserole pan things. Um, so it all fit inside of that. And uh yeah, just took a couple hours to smoke. I think it smoked for four hours and then let it rest for an hour. Not at all. And the uh, the the brine was actually just um, vegetable broth mm. with honey and salt. And then I ended up I took that and I boiled my potatoes in it, and then that made the potatoes super flavorful as well because they had a little bit of the uh, the vegetable broth Ooh, and some salt that would and honey. Sound good. In it. I've never thought of doing that before. Make boiling potatoes in a flavor, yeah. you know, medium, if you will. Well, it, to me, it was just like, well, I've already got yeah. a pot full of water from the okay. brine, so why not? Was it know? like the and potatoes were like, like, were they really heavily flavored, or is it like there was just a hint of it? Um, I would say it was kind of in the middle. It wasn't like you were, like, you had to be told what was in there. Everybody was like, "Wow, these potatoes have a, like have a really good flavor," and I was like, "Well, it's because I boiled them in brine." They're like, "Oh, that makes sense," but it wasn't it wasn't overpowering where you were like, "Oh, these are really salty," or "Oh, this is very clearly you know some vegetable oh, I may have to seasoning steal that idea or something from like that. that." Yeah, go for it. I didn't even yeah. I didn't have a recipe. Very I just tried it. And it worked out. But anyway, so I, I definitely get the point about turkey, and I think if we didn't like force ourselves to go through the, we are going to get a whole bird and we're going to cook it in this cooker in the oven. Like if you actually took a little bit of time to find a style that works for you in a way that you like to prepare meat in a way that's something you're used to, right? Like I don't ever cook meat in the oven. 
So I'm probably not going to be good at it with beef or pork or turkey. Um, but I do grill stuff, so I'm more comfortable with that process and know how to manage it a little bit better. So I think just helping people figure out what's something that suits them and how they prepare turkey would make us more successful and more That is a good point, too. More. There are a lot of ways to cook a turkey. So maybe that's in the, oh, that's a plus. That's in the plus column in my book because, you know, with a roast, you can kind of – you can put it in a grill or you can put it in the oven. Your end product's going to be pretty much the same and what you can – like season them differently but the turkey right you can smoke it you can fry it you can bake it and those three give you very distinct benefits and disadvantages for either cook time or prep or flavor or risk of being overcooked or undercooked i don't know about you have you ever had deep fried mm -hmm. turkey uh i've had I think so. Yeah. Well, actually, that's a good question. At the state fair in Des Moines, I had a. I think it was oh, a man. smoked turkey. Like I've had. I've fried. had. So it was. It was, it was a deep fried turkey, and the guy had uh, marinated it. So he actually injected like this marinade sauce into meat, and that was the yeah. best turkey I've ever had, both in flavor and in like moisture, like a consistency. Because even the white meat yeah. was it was well cooked. Yeah. It wasn't raw or undercooked or anything like that, but it was still so juicy. Yeah. Well, I think that's honestly going back to I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but people don't take the same steps that they would to prepare a turkey that they would for other meats, right? Like if you were um yeah, marinating a steak or using a dry rub on a roast or something, or you know, even, um, yeah, the marinating part is so huge for keeping it moist throughout the cooking process, right? I think if you just threw a steak on a tray and put it in the oven for four yeah. hours or however long a turkey cooks, uh, yeah. it's going to come out pretty dry, right? <laughs> so it's part of it is just familiarizing yourself with what is necessary to keep the moisture in the meat and to give it flavor. Just like you would for any other type of food, and the problem, the the root of the problem yeah, is people do it once a year, and by so the time they do it again, they've completely forgotten everything. Right, and then it's kind of, it's always just this guess and check of, you know, oh, well, last year it was overcooked, or I got yeah. a bird that was too big, or you know, I mean the other the other piece is you're stuffing a lot of times you're stuffing some really dry material in the chest cavity of that. What bird, sort of dry right? stuff you talking about? Liquid. Oh. The stuffing before you cook it, right? It's a lot of bready material mm -hmm. that's going to soak up moisture from the bird. So, so the moral of the story from my perspective is do a little bit of research, find a recipe that sounds interesting, and give it a shot. Because I think if you're willing to go off the beaten path of just like we get a bird, we throw it in the roaster, and cook it for six hours, you'll find something that's that's actually tasty yep. and that's not mm -hmm. really that hard to make. Good life lesson from Ben. There you go. So with that said, I think we're nearing the end of our time for today. Uh, any parting uh, I can't comments think of any or other words of wisdom? Off the top of my head that I don't like. Um, I know there's probably a lot that we didn't touch that we were five minutes after we end the show. We had, oh, why don't we talk about X, Y, or Z? Um, but yeah, that always happens. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. So I think my 
my final thought is that I, to me, traditions should be of meaning to the people who are participating in them. So um, I try to avoid, or I don't like traditions where it's something that just everyone does because everyone does it. Um, you know, if you've got something that you enjoy doing around a specific holiday, even if it doesn't make any sense or it's not directly connected to that holiday, I still think that's great. And especially if it's an opportunity to spend time with family and friends and uh, yeah, just enjoy each other's yeah. company. I think what happens so though, better. if that's how the tradition takes hold in a person, because you said like, if they're doing, if they have the, if they understand the meeting, if they're getting enjoyment out of it. What if that starts as doing something just because other people are doing it and you don't necessarily know why or even want to? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was just thinking about it today and this, I don't want to get us started on this topic too far, but it, traditions are very weird, right? Because in some instances we are repeating a set of behaviors that people who died long ago started, right? And we don't necessarily know why all the particulars of those behaviors came to be, but yep. here we are, you know, doing the thing. So, but I think for me, it's just about understanding, is this a tradition that's actually meaningful to me or am I just doing it because it's kind of the expectation and adjusting as appropriate or finding, finding or making my own traditions if I don't like the ones that already you can always exist. make your own. Well, yeah, sometimes they, they, the most they have no roots in practicality, however long ago it was, so they can just be complete nonsense. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. The airing of grievances. That's right. I got a lot of problems with with all of you. Oh. <laughs> now oh, you're gonna man. hear. Oh, that guy. What was his name? Something Stiller. I can't remember. So, um, with. Well, that's his character's name. Uh, Frank, I think. Right. Try to remember the actor. Jerry Jerry, oh, Jerry Stiller. That's Jerry man. Jerry funny. Stiller. So with that epic shout out to the amazing Seinfeld show, we will uh, wrap up this episode of Tangential Banter. Thanks for sticking in there with us. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, we'd like to be back soon in the future with more. And Jack's That's right. I'll keep soon you to in be discovered anticipation. Topic. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs>